friend. Thanks for checking out the Crosspoint Church podcast. It's our hope that these messages will encourage you to grow and thrive in your relationship with Christ. You can find more like this at thecrosspoint.com. Uh, We are in a series called Body and Soul. I want to dive right into uh, God's Word this morning. So I'd love for you to get uh, your copy of God's Word as we uh, tackle uh, Colossians chapter 2. We've been looking at who Jesus is and how he is both supreme and sufficient for everyday life. And last week, we also talked, Pastor Pastor Josh led us in this discussion of what it means to know who Jesus is first and then to understand who we are. Those two big questions, who is God and who am I? So we've been looking at that and now we're going to look at chapter two, verses six through 15. Uh, And and as you're turning there, I want to introduce our talk today uh, in this way. Just, I was thinking about things my mom and dad told me when I grew up. Maybe you had a mom and dad, kind of like I did. They had those slogans, things that they would say uh, frequently, like act your age or look at me when I'm talking to you. Uh, Maybe they said things like, you've got your favorite, do you know what, you got any coming to your mind right now? Oh, (laughs) yeah. That's one I remember. I, I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> Any more? Any... Do it because I said so, yeah. Well, I had one that I, that I still recall from time to time. It went something like this. One was, uh, remember who you are. That was one. And another one I heard less frequently, but it stuck with me, and that's this one. Don't forget your roots. Don't forget your roots. And sometimes at pivotal times in my life, like going off to college, don't forget your roots. Or when I got married, don't forget your roots. In fact, my mom sat my wife-to-be down in my living room and said to her on the couch, basically those lines, don't forget who you are, don't forget your roots, don't forget who he is. Are you up for this? Are you ready for this? Because this is long-term, this is for life, are you ready? And so my wife was very gracious about it, but I'll never forget uh, looking at, at her across the room and seeing her eyes like this, like, oh, what is this gonna be about? But honestly, in love and in truth, it was a very important statement. Don't forget your roots. And this is kind of where Paul is instructing these believers in Colossae, not that they were forgetting who they were necessarily, or who God was, but sometimes, if we're honest, we too can have those moments where it feels like God is distant, or it feels like my prayers are not going past the ceiling, or it feels like, or maybe we just say, I just don't feel like being the spiritual leader in my home, or I I feel like sleeping more than I feel like getting up to spend time with Jesus. Come on, don't leave me alone here. (laughs) Moments that we feel those things, and and I will be the first to admit that I have those moments. Oh, not all the time, 
but periodically and maybe more often than I would really like to admit. Those moments when I, I don't feel close to God. Or, and so what am I supposed to do? What are we supposed to do in those moments? We might be tempted to say, well, maybe I need to pray the sinner's prayer again. Or maybe I need to get baptized again. Or, or maybe I need to find a new church and a new pastor. No, that's not the answer. <laughs> but there's that temptation to lean into something new because we're attracted to that. And what does Jesus have to say to us in those moments? And I believe these, these verses here are helpful to us where we are in Colossians chapter two, verse, verse six. So let's, let's read a couple from God's word. Chapter two, verse six. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted. Somebody say rooted. Rooted. rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So the apostle Paul says, guys, you received Jesus as Lord, you changed your life, and I'm asking you to remember how that changed your life in the same way that you received Christ, continue to live it out. Because there will be moments when you don't feel like you're close to God or you don't feel like a Christian or the, the world and its culture is pressing in upon you and you feel sort of like an alien, what are you supposed to do? In other words, he's saying how you receive Christ is not just an event that happened to you, but it should also shape the way you get up in the morning. It should also shape the way you act in I-270 traffic. Leaving the parking lot when there's a line. <laughs> now we're talking. How should it shape you? This is the deal. As you receive Christ, so walk. And it doesn't mean, you know, just how you walk, but he's talking about your conduct. Is, is Jesus and your salvation shaping the way that you live? And he says, here's what it ought to look like. It ought to look like that you are rooted and established and built up in him. Now, there's something about trees that we often don't think about, and it's the roots on this Charlie Brown Christmas tree. <laughs> and we don't look at roots and we go, wow, what awesome roots. That's, that's looking good. No, we look at the top and we don't think about the roots, but the roots are strategically important in whether or not this tree is going to grow up and flourish, or if it's a fruit tree, whether or not it's going to grow fruit. No root, no fruit. It cannot withstand any storm if there is no root, but you don't know about the roots until the storm comes because it can look great on the top. In the same way, in a Christian life, he says, in the same way that you have received Christ, walk in him, rooted and established. The way that you started, keep going. Why? Because there are gonna be moments when you're tempted to drift over into something else besides Jesus. 
This was the, this was the challenge for the Colossian believers. Not that they were, they were saying, Jesus isn't Lord, or Jesus is not wonderful, but they were being inundated with teachers and doctrine that were giving a Jesus plus message. In other words, Jesus is good, but he's not enough. We've got something new for you. We've got Jesus plus additives, if we can say it that way. Jesus plus something else. He says, I I don't want you to be moved from the hope of the gospel. See to it, verse eight, that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Don't be taken captive with some new idea, some new kind of Jesus, Jesus plus. So I'm like a plain old good old vanilla milkshake guy. I don't give me chocolate, don't give me strawberry twist, don't give me, I know, I know some of you really into butter pecan and all this, just give me a good old vanilla milkshake, but I want real ice cream. Yeah, amen. I want, I want to see the flex of the vanilla bean. And don't give me this stuff that they say when you, when you go up there and you say a vanilla shake and it comes back into this frothy, gloopy something that isn't real ice cream. Because why? They've added to it to make it easier to make because good old hand-spun ice cream Vanilla milkshakes take some time with some whipped cream. And and what Paul is concerned about is that they are adding to Jesus Christ. What was it exactly? We don't know. He says philosophy, which means the love of wisdom. Philosophy is not um, an evil thing. The sciences aren't evil. But he's saying don't be taken captive by it. And what was happening is some of the Greek philosophy was beginning to make its way into the church, perhaps some things like from Aristotle. Aristotle said some good things. Here's something he said, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Well, that sounds good, except it's not true according to the Bible. Because Proverbs 1 and 7, which Jesus believed, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see how subtle it is to say, oh, knowing yourself, yeah, that's the beginning of all wisdom. No, God says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So which is it? So so Paul is going to say, don't be taken captive by something that sounds good. This is the concern. This is what we're all swimming in that we sometimes forget about, like like some of the the, the so-called Gospels, new gospels that we can sometimes fall prey to. Now, the word gospel means good news. And I can think of a couple as I was studying this week that are typical today. One is, as Mark Sayers calls it, self-actualization. It's this idea of, in a, in a, in a way, being born again without Jesus. It's to look within to discover your true self And after you find your true self, 
then you come to peace with your true self and you seek that, you seek a way where you can discover your full potential and abilities, nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes your main pursuit, you're seeking to find yourself or find that perfect balance of play and rest. I'm still trying to find that. You know, the idea of Zen living. <laughs> it sounds good. You know, I just, because we're all dealing with anxiety. And so we're trying to find that balance, that way of life where we can say, I just, want, I, I just want to be at peace with myself. That's not a bad thing. But when we try to do it by looking within, here's what I found. You never, ever find it. Have you noticed that? doesn't matter how hard we try to eliminate all anxiety from our life, it still creeps back in. Even as Christians, Jesus doesn't promise a life free from anxiety. So I, something that's been helpful to me is to think of this C.S. Lewis quote. C.S. Lewis, an unlikely convert, but he says this after coming to Christ. He says, your real new self will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him, get this, and with him, everything else thrown in. So you, you, you can't find yourself by looking for it, but the, the culture says knowing yourself is the, is the way to true life. Not only that, we sometimes fall prey to this idea, sort of the quasi-Christian way. A lot of, if I can say it like this, a lot of almost Christian bloggers. I know, I know. It's like we can benefit from some of that, but when that becomes our sort of way to Zen living, quasi-Christian, in other words, as long as they mention Jesus now and then, but I, I, I have to ask, is it the real Jesus? Is it the Jesus of the Bible who sometimes says things that we don't like? Let me ask it this way. Does your God ever disagree with you? If he doesn't, is he truly God? I want you to know, friends, that sometimes God disagrees with me. And my pursuits, and I think, oh, this is the way to life. This is the way to feel better about yourself. And God says, no, look to me. I know where real life is. And so Paul says, don't fall, pray, don't fall captive to other types of gospels. So I've had to learn this the hard way. That sometimes I think, you know, for example, I'm a learner. I love books. I love to learn. And I can remember after I uh, graduated from uh, Webster University, got my undergrad, and then I was it's like, I still want to learn, still want to grow. And I was following some mentors, spiritual mentors, who when they would get up to teach, they would quote Greek words, man. And then they would quote Hebrew words. And I thought, man, I hope someday I can do that. I want to do that, you know? And so I, I went back to school to study my master of divinity and I started studying Greek and I was learning words like hagios and ecclesia and paraclete. Are you impressed yet? 
So I was learning these words and, and then I got my Greek New Testament and I'd, I'd bring it to church just so people could see. <laughs> Honestly, I'd bring it to church and I'd follow along in the Greek as the pastor was reading the text. And I excelled in my master divinity. I, I got good grades and I was like, I want to graduate with, with honors. And so I did. I kept up my GPA and I, I went to graduation and they said, okay, we want uh, that you started listing off the names, those with master divinity on the honors roll. They sounded my name and I went up there and what did they give me? A tiny little rope to put around my neck. I was like, that's it? And my GPA was so good. You know what? I've never been asked, what was your GPA at seminary? Never. None of y'all never cared. You didn't, you didn't even give a rib. It's like, you're not, I know some of you are going to come up afterward and you want to know. But listen, don't do that. You're just doing it because you feel sorry for me. You know what? I can't even remember. I can't. I can't even remember. I'm sure it was the best in the class. That's all I can say. Well, what is it for you, salesman of the year? Those are good, worthy achievements. Is it to be the most talented in your senior class, most athletic? I can't even remember who those people are in my senior class. Those things fade. But there's this part of us that we think, oh, this is going to make me. F and then you get there and it's like, oh, because it wasn't meant to fill your tank. You, that wasn't meant to be your roots. It will not satisfy. So what, what am I supposed to do? So how do I stick to my roots? How do I, how do I stay rooted? How do I not forget my roots? Well, he's going to tell us. And in verses, verses six through 15, I, I'm gonna put this up on the screen as I was looking through it. I know it's tiny print, but uh, hang with me here a second because I wanted to fit it on one, string, one screen and I don't know if you can follow along with me, but every time I get to that circled part, will you shout it out? Therefore, as you receive Christ the Lord, so walk, yeah. rooted and built up, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled. You're starting to get the message. This is on purpose. He's saying this. Who is the head of all rule and authority? In him you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. How do we stay rooted? What are we supposed to be rooted in? 
Where am I supposed to put my roots down? In him. In him, because anything else will not be enough. In other words, he's saying Christ alone. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus fill in the blank. Salesman of the year. The latest love of your life. Being on the honors roll equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing, though, equals everything. Now, he mentions a way that we can look back and we can remind ourselves who we are in Christ and uses this word circumcision. I know it's awkward for us to talk about, but let me just say for the Hebrew people, it was a mark of distinction. It was a way of saying, we belong to God. This is a, a mark from birth to say, this is a boy that this is a Hebrew. He belongs to God. He's, a, he's one of the covenant people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Paul gives this signal, this symbol, a new meaning in the New Testament. He's saying that in, a, in the same way or in a similar way, that we're marked not by circumcision, but by something that God does on the inside that publicly, outwardly, is demonstrated in water baptism. So that when we are water baptized, it is a mark that says we died to our old self and we are risen with him. We are in Christ. Why do we need to do that? Why do we even need to be water baptized if we're saved by grace through faith? It's a good, good question. Well, I'd say it like this. It's kind of like getting married. It's, it's kind of like a wedding. So suppose that this guy says to a girl, say, man, you're the only one for me. I love you. You rock my world. All of me loves all of you. All of you loves all of me. And she says, yeah, oh, I love you too. But if she's wise, at some point, she's going to say what? Exactly. Thank you. Put a ring on it. In other words, talk is cheap. But suppose he says, oh, you know, I'm not really into that stuff. I'm not, it rings are such a waste of money. And, you know, and I was just hoping that maybe, maybe we could just have a private ceremony and keep it on the DL, you know? I, I, just, do we have to tell anybody? What's he doing? He's keeping his options open. That's what he's doing. And, and what should the girl do if he says, let's just get, I don't want anybody else to know. Let's just keep on. What should he, what should she do? Come on. Yeah, run, man. Look, and there may be somebody in the room and I'm not picking on you, but I'm just saying, if you're saying she's the only one for me and I want to spend the rest of my life with her, put a ring on it, man. Man up. Just a thought. See, when we, when we keep our, op our options open, we're saying one thing with words, but our life is saying something else. Baptism is like that. Baptism is a way of saying, I'm all in for Jesus. Jesus died for me. So I'm going public 
See, faith is a private thing. It begins privately, but then it goes public. It's like, well, you know, I, I just want to keep it on the DL. See what you're doing? You're keeping your options open. But when you get all in for Jesus, he says, this is a mark. You're able to look back and say, that was the time. I made it public. My, my affirmation of faith, who I am in Christ. And when we make a decision not to make a decision, we're making a decision. So when we make a decision to say, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't know. You're making a decision. Just, so just understand that. Peace to you, man. But understand when you don't make a decision for Christ, you are making a decision. And so Paul says, Water baptism is a way of saying publicly that I belong to Jesus. I'm living out of a new reality and that something happened not only, not only on the outside, but something happened on the inside because of what Jesus did. Verse 15 wraps it up. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. What did Jesus do? We conquered those spiritual forces that would assail our soul, that sometimes would say to us, when we don't know Christ, would say, you will always be this way. I always have your number. You will never escape this. This is who you are. Yet Jesus in the cross triumphed over them all. Amen. He did. And when we look at our baptism, we're able to say, in Christ, that took place. It really happened. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. Well, somebody says, well, if that's true, why do I still struggle with sin? If Jesus set me free, come on, has anybody ever asked that question? Okay, only me. All right, me and Josiah, we'll talk about this. Here's why. Because there's still a battle going on up here and in your body. Because when we get born again, our body doesn't get born again. Wouldn't that be awesome if it did? <laughs> it's like, new body, next week, show up, get baptized. We'd have the tank full. Lots of people sign up for that. So your body doesn't get born again, neither does your mind. So there's still a battle going on. So even though you're a new creation in Christ, up here, you aren't. So I'm still faced with the temptations and with the voices that still assail my soul. I love the way Marshall Siegel says this. He writes it like this. He says, we have little idea what power lies beneath the surface of what we can see, the rulers and authorities of darkness that prowl and tempt and deceive and corrupt the sin crouching at your door is only one small part of a hostile and global mutiny against the maker of heaven and earth. That's going on, even now, while I'm standing up here, while you're there. There's this mutiny of the dark world that is fighting and resisting the people of God. So that means that Sometimes I still feel like I'm not saved. Or moments when I feel distant from God. Moments when I don't feel like being the spiritual leader. Moments when I feel like I failed and therefore God is going to abandon me. 
And what do I do in those moments? I stay rooted, established, built up in Christ. That's my identity. I am in him. I might be shaken on the outside, but my roots go deep. My roots go deep. So it's, it's like this. There were among us some, some of you, some dear, beloved men and women who have served in our armed forces. They've seen things that I wish they had never seen. I've prayed with some of you. I've heard you talk about it. I've seen the effects of PTSD. I've seen the effects of trauma. And one of the ways that my dear friends begin to get healed and free is for someone to come along, hopefully a, a, a godly counselor and the body of Christ to begin to say to them, you know, it still feels like you're in the field of battle. Sometimes your body and your mind still tell you that you're there. Maybe in the middle of the night you wake up with terror and you feel it. But I want to tell you, friend, the battle is over. You're home. You're safe. You're safe in his arms. You're safe with us. And then little by little, you begin to believe the truth. You're not in a war anymore. And that sometimes for us, too, we need the body of Christ and the presence of Jesus to say, he disarmed the rulers and authorities in the cross. He triumphed over them all. Don't, don't bow to the voices of the past. Don't listen to that voice that says, you will always be this way. You can never change. Oh no, with God, all things are possible. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. But it's the roots, not the branches, that keep a tree standing. Roots that, that work two ways, that sometimes roots go deep and they begin to grab a hold of the soil and the rocks. But sometimes in the middle of a storm, what keeps the tree standing is not the roots by themselves. It's the soil and the rocks that begin to grab hold of the roots. And in the same way that sometimes in our lives that we feel like we're losing our grip. You ever felt that way? It's like I'm losing my grip. Maybe doubts that would assail your soul. But I want you to know this. When we lose our grip, God still has a firm hold on us. I was thinking about this and thinking maybe just a way to, for you to think of something to write down. If we are captivated by him, we won't be taken captive by other so-called saviors. If I'm captivated by the grace of God, the more that I'm captivated by Jesus alone, the gospel, the less tempted I will be to be taken captive by some other new, fangled, so-called savior. Well, what does it mean? So how is this gonna change my life? What am I, what am I supposed to do? Because sometimes I, 
I don't feel very solid in Christ. Well, rooted doesn't mean you never feel insecure. Rooted never doesn't mean you're, you're joyless and inflexible and boring. Rooted doesn't mean you're a stick in the mud, but it means that when the winds blow and storms come, rain came, wind blew, my house was built on you. I'm safe with you. I'm going to make it through. Christ is my firm foundation. It's the rock on which I stand. Can you say that? Do you believe that? Are you trusting in that? What would happen if you would just get all in for Jesus? Say, okay, I'm, I'm putting my roots down. Jesus alone. Jesus plus nothing equals everything might be someone in this room even now you've, you've yet to believe and be baptized man cross the line of faith do it he'll meet you draw near to God James says he'll draw near to you you just take a step toward him he'll take a step toward you I think this could be your moment today you cross the line of faith. But first, I want to pray for the believers in the room. You say, man, just lately, it just feels like I'm just a little shaky, a little wobbly. I want to feel secure. Anybody like that today? You say, yeah, I've just been, just been a little wobbly. Yeah. Let's put our roots into him. Lord, we pray. Those that even now just raise their hands to say they, they want to feel more secure in you. And Lord, you give us a truth that's above feelings. Our feelings come and go. Sometimes we feel shaken by storms of life and the winds that blow. I pray, God, that we could live out the words that we sang today. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. And Lord, that we would be secure no matter what happens to be able to say, Jesus, plus nothing equals everything. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us. You can check out thecrosspoint.com for more resources like this.